Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I love being here with you all and I have a word that is going to really help you today. Um, if, if the message during the church service is like a buffet, I am about to give you a handful of awesome supplements followed by a really hearty kale salad. And for dessert, a, a B, vitamin B shot in the buttocks. So, so get ready. Like, they're, they're, like this has got, I, I don't know why God reserves the words with some on them for me, but, it, but he seems to. I'm not sure if it's God or if it's me. I, I don't know, but I feel like I get these words. I'm like, God, really, you want me to say that? So I'm gonna say it. I'm saying it. But I think you'll like it along the way. Because more than anything, Pastor Jürgen and I and the pastors of the church here, we, we don't want you to just look like a Christian. Uh, we want you to become a believer, a transformed life. You know, William Booth said something so interesting. He said, you can put a man in a suit. You can even give him a college degree. But if the inner man is not changed and transformed, you have wasted your labour. And, and I, I take seriously and earnestly my responsibility as your pastor and the leader uh, underneath Pastor Jürgen of, of this church. Like I, I want you to, I want you to be transformed. I, I want you to love your life. I want you to find out the God assignment for your future and to raise great men and women after you. And so sometimes that means bringing words that have some challenge attached like this one does today. Thank you friends for everything. That music made it all sound better and you're just magnificent, so appreciate you. We're gonna start reading. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us on a little bit of a journey through the Scriptures today. We're gonna start reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter number six, verses seven to eight. And I, I just want to, I wanna paint a picture for you today. I've got a one point message, one point, one point. I, I came today to make a point, one point. Hebrews 6, verses 7 to 8. For land that drinks in the rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is tended, the farmer, receives the blessing of God. So land that receives, somebody say receives the rain, and then produces, somebody say produces, a crop that is useful to those for whom it is tended, receives a, but this is a blessed land, a land that receives and then produces is a blessed land. But, somebody say but. Here comes the vitamin B shot right in the butt. <laughs> but land that produces, the same land, receiving the rain, that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. Oh, wow. wow. Tell it like it is. So 
Right there in the New Testament? (laughs) Worthless. And its curse is imminent. In the end, it will be burned. All right, put that in your pocket. Let's keep moving. I'm going to introduce you to a story uh, of Jesus and something that happened to him in Mark chapter number 11, verses 12 to 14, and it's going to start to make sense. Now, the next day when they, this is Jesus and his posse of disciples, had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. I mean, if I was writing the Bible, I would have left that part out, but don't worry, I'm going to explain to you why it's in there. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. This is the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. Why would Jesus curse a fig tree when the Bible says it wasn't the season for figs? I mean, a scripture like this sends the, the uh, climate change people and the, and the, <laughs> the tree huggers into a, into a frenzy. How could, I mean, this is brutally unfair, Lord. So Jesus, the Bible says, was hungry and it's not the season for figs. And yet out of the corner of his eye, he sees an unusual sight. He sees a fig tree standing alone, surrounded by other fig trees who have no leaves and have no fruit because it's not the season for figs. But he sees a fig tree with leaves. He's thinking where there's leaves, there's gotta be figs. There's got to be some fruit. But then on further inspection, he looks and he can't find no fruit. There is no fruit to be found. Now, many of you would have heard this scripture preached and it's true that God hates hypocrisy. Don't pretend to be something that you aren't, all right? Kind of like the message to the church in Sardis in Revelation chapter number three. I know your works, which is a scary thought, isn't it? I know your works. That sobers up most people real good. And he says to the church in Sardis, I know your works, that you have a name, that you've called yourself, that you have life, but you are dead. In other words, you have the appearance, you have the leaves, but on further inspection, you have no life. That's exactly what's happening here with the fig tree. But I wanna take it just a little bit deeper in keeping with that first scripture that I read from the book of Hebrews. The reason Jesus cursed the tree was because it was breaking a divine cycle. It was receiving sunlight. It was receiving the nutrients from the soil. It was receiving the refreshing of the rain, but it wasn't giving back. This is why Jesus cursed the fig tree. You are breaking the divine cycle of receiving and then producing, receiving and then giving back. So my word to you today is a very simple one. Don't break the cycle. I only got one point, one point. So, so perhaps today 
the issue that you have in your life of feeling like you're living under a bit of a curse is because there are areas in your life where you have been receiving and not giving back. Where have you been drinking in the rain and not producing a crop? Where have you opened up yourself to a curse instead of what God wants to give you, a blessing? We're entering into a season of, in our church where we're gonna be speaking deeply and intentionally into relationships. So I'm, I'm actually gonna blend this a little bit by, by speaking into specifically around our relationships where perhaps we are underfunding but overexpecting. Where we are where we are receiving, but we're not giving back. We're not producing. Somebody say, don't break the cycle. Okay, all right, you're gonna remember that by, by the time we're done. Let's look at it from a marriage standpoint. <laughs> I love this. Oh, get ready. Get ready for some elbows in the ribs, you guys. Just remember this as I speak this though. The prophet Michael Jackson had it right. We've got to start with the man or the woman in the mirror, y'all. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 22, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm not sure what he was observing when he said that. <laughs> um, um, what's Adam doing? It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the, the animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he bought her. Somebody say, he received. He, received. he got given a wife. He received something from God. He received something from the Lord. And now God was gonna look and see what are you gonna produce how are you going to take care of what I've given you? You receive the gift. Now, what is your investment into what I have given you? Proverbs chapter 31 is a chapter of Scripture that has been used through the ages to shame women <laughs> into compliance. And, you know, it's actually a beautiful picture of what a virtuous woman is. But let's go ahead and put Proverbs 31, verse 10 up there. Most of us know all the exploits that she does, right? She rises while it is still night. She prepare. I mean, this woman can cook. Hello, step aside, Martha Stewart. She's got it all going on. She's savvy in the marketplace. She considers a field and she buys it. Like she's, she's all the goals. But this is where... The screen is frozen, so I'm just, you're gonna to have to listen to me. 
Proverbs 31.10, this, this is how that chapter starts, Proverbs 31. You got it? All right, look at this. Okay, before we, we see the list of all the things she does, what's the first thing that is established? Her worth. Look at that. Who can find a virtuous wife? Great question, men. For her worth is far above rubies. Before we see her become the queen, boss, babe that she is, something is established by the husband in the home, her value. And many of us can wait. We're waiting. Lord, I thought I ordered a Proverbs 31 woman. Where's she at? Well, well, what are you doing with the gift, the handmade gift, I may add, that the Lord gave you in your wife? Are you investing into what He has invested into you? Because this woman, she became, she was trustworthy. The heart of her husband safely, safely trusts trust her, the Bible says. She was hardworking. She rises while it is yet night and prepares food. She's creative. She makes tapestry for herself. Step aside, Nordstrom. She's got a sewing machine and a creative brain. She's wise. She's kind. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the law of kindness. What a woman is on her tongue. She's compassionate. She stretches out her hand to the poor and needy. She's full of faith. Her lamp does not go out by night. She goes through a hard time, but this is a woman of faith. How did she become so awesome? There was a husband behind the scenes that created an environment. I'm investing into the woman that God has invested into me. Are you receiving the rain? Have you received the gift, the handmade gift from God of a wife, but you're not investing into her? And you're wondering, where's my Proverbs 31 woman at? Look in the mirror, my friend. Have at it, bro. (laughs) And don't go, if you're not going to invest into your wife, don't go comparing her to other people's wives. All the wives whose husbands have actually taken the time, energy, and done what needs to be done to, to, to create a woman that is attractive and captivating. There's a reason one of the commandments is, thou shalt not covet another man's wife. Cultivate your own. Does your wife look better since she's been in your care and keeping? When her daddy handed her over to you, is her life better? Is she more secure? Is she more kind? Is she more loving? Is she more beautiful than when you first got her? Somebody write that down. When my husband married me, I, I had a fantastic father. But I, I was at, married at 17. He was getting me straight out of the oven. <laughs> Trust me, he burned his tongue a little bit. I, I was that hot. But when my husband married me, I was, I was fearful. I had an issue with fear. I was, I was faithless. I, I didn't have any... Faith, what's that? I was timid in some areas. I was stu- like incredibly stubborn. Like four sisters, one strong sisters, one strong mother. I am woman, hear me roar. But I have become that, uh, 
the woman that I am today because of his investment in me. God gave him a wife and he cherished her so I have become the woman that I am today. Don't say, I wish my wife was confident. I wish my wife looked better. I wanna ask you today, are you pouring into what God gave you? Are you giving back? You've received. Freely you have received, now freely give. Are you overexpecting in your marriage but underfunding? Maybe it feels like your marriage is cursed. Maybe it is because you've broken the cycle. Don't break the cycle. Freely you have received, now freely give. Guys, I'm gonna help you right now. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming up. You, T minus 24 days till touchdown, okay? Now you can complain all you want about how it's a pretend holiday made up by Hallmark cards. Trust me, you will realize how real it is. <laughs> if come February 14th, you show up empty handed. And my, my husband learned that the hard way. What do you want for your birthday? Oh, nothing. And then when my birthday rolls around, but, he said, but you said you do. Yeah, but I didn't mean it. How dare you? So you got now 24 days. I mean, imagine, oh my gosh, it's a made up holiday. Oh, heaven forfend that there be a day where you can go over and above to spoil your wife. And then you wanna complain because she's not like this lady or that lady. Oh, stop it. What have you done with what God has given you? My, my husband drove me to get de deliverance. <laughs> he, didn't, he, he did this stuff, he didn't, like he loved me enough. Some, some husbands, like you're kind of doing all the mushy stuff, but there's some messy stuff that you're afraid to get involved in. Oh, I could sleep on the couch. There are worse things. You could have no wife at all. So, you know, when I was going through a bout with intense grief over a trauma I'd suffered and was acting out, instead of just judging me, he saw it as an opportunity and his responsibility to pour into and invest into what God had invested into him. And he drove me to a pastor in our town who was a beautiful man of God who operated powerfully in the gift of deliverance. And I got set free. I'm the fruit of a husband who has not just received, but also given back. Don't break the cycle. Amen, Leanne. All right, I'm gonna hit the ladies now. <laughs> All the men are like, oh, thank God. So God gave you a man and trust me, there are many women out there looking for one. And if you don't 
understand the blessing that you have in the good man that God has given you, there are plenty of ladies that would like to take him off your hands. It's actually a great wickedness to, for a man or a woman to come into a covenant with one another and then instead of now seeing it as an opportunity to invest, I have received, now I will give back. Rather think about everything that I want, I need, you should be giving me. Do, do you know that in the Bible, it doesn't say anywhere, to the wives, this is what your husband should do for you. And it doesn't say anywhere, to the husbands, this is what your wife should be doing. It speaks a lot to the husbands about how they should treat their wives. Speaks a lot about how wives should honour and respect their husbands. But God speaks to the individual. He speaks to you. What are you doing? What are you investing? How are you pouring into the one that I've given you? In Genesis 2.21, and I read this, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. If you're a raging feminist today, you need to prepare yourself for what I'm about to say next. God gave you a husband for you to be his helper. Not, not politically correct, but correct. I was handmade by God to be my husband's helper. Let me just relieve a burden today because there are a lot of pressures put on women to be, to be everything. And they've reduced the role of a helpmate down to some kind of subservient slave who loses her will, her mind, her emotions and her creativity. Wrong. That's, that's the enemy corrupting what God made to be so beautiful and so perfect. If you're a mother here today and somebody tries to tell you, oh, you're just a mum. Uh, you know what? I, I love the C.S. Lewis quote. Let me hope that I say it correctly. He said, he wrote something like this. He said, motherhood is by far the greatest vocation. Inasmuch that every other job exists to support it. So I can say to you today, very, very confidently and honestly, to be a wife and not a helper is an oxymoron. Your husband will give you food, you will make him a meal, he will give you a house you will make it a home. He will give you things, you will give him organisation and order. The days of not cooking and cleaning and bringing order to what your husband has given you and then calling it women's rights, let's call it what it really is. It is a breaking of a divine cycle. If your marriage feels like it's under a curse, then maybe it is because you've broken the divine cycle. Not popular preaching, but it will change your life if you apply it. I love helping my husband. Our marriage got infinitely better when I stopped thinking about myself. And I'm sure my husband would say the same thing. 
We're in like a, a, a tug of war for the first few years of our whose rights remain supreme and you're not giving me and I'm not getting and I need and who's the king of being or queen of being the most tired or busy. <laughs> it's like we were competing for the crown of the most tired, the most stressed and the most, da, 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 here's your coronation, but nobody wins. And you end up hating each other. But something shifted when my mindset shifted. I am a helpmate. It's my job to help. And it released me in a way that no book on feminism ever could. Don't break the cycle. He will give you love. You will give him respect and honour. Husbands, love your wives, the Bible says in Ephesians 5. Wives, respect and honour your husbands. What's Paul saying there? He's revealing every man and woman's ultimate love language. For women, I want to be loved. I want to be cherished. I want to be valued. For men, I want to be appreciated. I want gratitude. I want thanks. I want respect. I'm flipping, working my tail off. Every good man is working his tail off. I remember having a conversation. Well, conversation is a kind way of putting it. a heated but productive conversation with my husband. I never see you. Uh, you're never around uh, her. You're always distracted. And I'll never forget him, like, and normally he'd just take it, like, okay, okay, I get it. And I'm not saying this to, you know, some husbands need to be told a thing or two because they are never around and distracted and taking on things that they shouldn't be taken on. But in this case, he gave me a glimpse into the world and that which he carries. And I was really distinctly reminded about the burden it is to be the, the, the head of an entire household. And I'm caught up in my world, but meanwhile, he's thinking about you know, the bills and the future and how am I going to make all this happen? And then lo and behold, I'm sitting next to him piping off about, well, we never remember. And I, I just, he allowed, I, it's like God gave me a glimpse and I've never forgotten it and it will change me forever. And it brought peace to my heart and stopped a lot of our quarrelling when I realised he's doing this for me. He's doing this for my family. He will give you romance and fidelity and you will give him adoration and affection. And by affection, read between the lines. I'm keeping it PG-13. <laughs> I'll have Michaela tell you later. <laughs> he will give you his strength and you will give him your gratitude and your encouragement. The truth is, every man wants a cheerleader. And I, I know I'm triggering, or I'm hitting all the feminist buttons today, but I don't care because look around at the world and look at the mess we find ourselves in. We, we've got to start doing things God's way. You've got to understand this today, and this may not be popular preaching, but that's because truth has not been in the pulpits for far too long. And I love you too much to, to lie to you. 
don't break the cycle. My marriage is fruitful. When Jesus comes to the fig tree of the marriage of Jürgen and Leanne, he's not just gonna find leaves, he's gonna find fruit. And he's gonna find fruit because we don't just receive the rain. We don't just draw nutrients from the soil. We don't just bask in the sunshine. We allow those things, we receive those things, but then we lead it to a life that produces, a life that gives back. My husband and I, and this wasn't always the case, rarely argue because we've applied this principle. Maybe you feel like you're living under a curse tonight or today, excuse me, because you've broken the cycle. Don't break the divine cycle. Oh man, the music already. I got a lot to say. It is good. So much to say. Uh, uh, well, let me just put a bow on it in this way. Uh, things can be so much better than they've been. And quite often, the problem isn't what you think it is. Let me tell you a funny story. There was a man who went to the doctor. Well, he's having a conversation with his doctor. And he said to his doctor, I think my wife is losing her hearing. And the doctor's like, well, I want you to go home and I want you to do this test. Next time she's in the kitchen making something, I want you to ask her a question from 15 feet away. And if she can't hear you, ask her again from 10 feet away. If she still can't hear you, ask her again from five feet away. And if she still can't hear you, whisper right in her ear, ask her right, like get right up there and ask her. We'll see. So he goes home and he tries it. Sure enough, she's in the kitchen, 15 feet away. Honey, what you making? Nothing. So he goes to 10 feet. Honey, what you making? Nothing. So he goes to five feet. Honey, what you making? Still no response. So he walks up, gets right in her ear hole and says, honey, what you making? She turns to him and says, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. <laughs> Maybe the problem is you. Oh, we're almost done. I was... I want to end by speaking into another couple of relationships, uh, the, the parental relationship. The Bible is very clear, and in fact, it makes it into the commandments. You are to honour your mother and your father. if our parents are not honourable? What if, what if they didn't take care of us? The principle still remains. What's the inference? They gave you life. They gave you life. And you may not be able to honour their behaviour, but you have to honour their position. My husband has a wonderful testimony on this because he grew up in a home where there was a lot of abusive behaviour. And he will say that before he became a Christian, he really, really hated his dad. And his goal was when he got old enough, he would punch his dad in the face, like when he was bigger because of everything he'd experienced. But thank God he then 
got saved and was born again. And God taught him that honour was not just something that was a good idea, it was actually a requirement. And it's amazing how God has blessed my husband simply because he's fulfilled a cycle, a divine cycle, even when it was unpleasant to do so. God is able to bring, has been able to bring restoration to that relationship too, to, to a degree. But I would say even to this day, there's a hardship, but He's, he's done it anyway. Maybe today you're, you're living under a level of what feels like a curse because you've broken the divine cycle. Well, my parents, you know, they weren't perfect. Listen, there are no perfect parents, none. Just have kids and you'll find out. But Jesus speaks about this often, that, that, that there should be a return. There should be a return. And you know, I'm getting to the age now where, where it's like the cycle is shifting, where I was the recipient. I was the recipient of the comfort and all I, scrape my knee and I'm getting comfort. And I was the recipient of the meals and I was the recipient of the financial blessing. And I was the one going, and anyway then my friend, and we were at school and then the teacher said like endless stories that kind of went nowhere. Now the cycle is turning and I'm on the other end where, where I'm the one in some great degree, bringing comfort. I'm the one that's having to listen to endless stories. I'm the one that is financially providing to a degree. Like my parents don't pay for a meal when they come here. Things have shifted. And maybe today you're wondering why your, your children are disrespecting you. Is it because you've broken a divine cycle? Honour your mother and your father. In doing so, you will live a long and full life. See, the cycle continues. They gave you life, you pour in and invest to them, you received, now you give back and then the cycle continues. Somebody say, don't break the cycle, don't break the cycle. Now, does this mean that we put up with manipulation and shenanigans? No, I'm not talking about honouring behaviour that is dishonourable. But I am saying to you today, there is an honour principle that we are called to keep the cycle going. Maybe it's as simple as sending a card, Happy Mother's Day, Happy Father's Day, sign your name. God spoke very specifically to Pastor Jürgen about what He was to do to honour His Father. It will be very different for different people. But what I will say to you today, ask the Lord, if you've got a situation where it is, it's a difficult, complex relationship, ask the Lord, what does honour look like here? Because you don't wanna transgress this, this principle. You don't wanna transgress this cycle. Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was receiving, but not giving back. And many of us are living under what feels like the shadow of a curse because we are breaking the cycle. Where in your life, have you been underfunding but overexpecting? Maybe in your friendships. 
maybe the correlation of the amount of loneliness in this world has to do with the amount of people that just don't know how to give back. And it's not that people aren't necessarily attracted to your personality, but you're just, you're a taker and not a giver. Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, he or she who has friends, this person has friends, right? Must show themselves friendly. Every friend that you attract, you will lose and make your world very small if you cannot give back. You might get an invitation, but those invitations don't come anymore because you're selfish at the point of your relationships. You're just thinking about you the whole time. You break the divine cycle. Why do my friendships always seem cursed? Well, maybe they are. Maybe they are because you've become really good at taking, but not good at giving back. Everybody wants to be around someone who gives back. In fact, the Bible tells us, many seek favours from a ruler. This is Proverbs 19, six to seven. Everyone is the friend of a person who gives gifts, someone who's generous, who knows how to give back. But the relatives of the poor despise them. How much more will their friends avoid them? Though the poor plead with them, their friends are gone. It's a savage but true principle. Even your relatives, people who were born to love you, will despise you if you are always needing and never giving. I told you it was gonna be like a vitamin B shot to the butt. But I, I want your life to flourish. Don't break the cycle. Turn to the person next to you say, don't break the cycle. Don't break the cycle. Don't break the cycle. Where have you been breaking the cycle in life? If you're sitting in church and, you, and all of a sudden you're very distracted around the tithes and offerings, who amongst us would go to a restaurant, sit down, enjoy a meal, pick up our napkin, wipe our mouth, belt, and then walk out like we have amnesia? None of us. But we do it all the time in God's house and God had to come to Israel at a time in Malachi chapter number three, verse eight, and said, you guys have robbed me. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. where have we robbed you? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. You're sitting under the spout where the glory comes out. You are the recipient of my grace. You are the recipient of my word. You are the recipient of my son. You're the recipient of my name. And you dare sit in my house and not contribute. Oh, why am I cursed? I'll tell you why. Because you're a taker and not a giver, but it's time to stop breaking the divine cycle. Oh, you're brazen, I'll give you that. You're brazen, you're bold. But as for me, I fear God too much to sit here and take and not give back. Yeah, I think I scared everybody real good. So we'll leave it there. I told you it was a one point message. Don't break the cycle. Everybody who wants a tattoo, get that one. Don't break the cycle. There is a divine cycle in Genesis 8. God said to Noah, while the earth remains, there is a seed time and there is a harvest. Right now you are standing in somebody else's seed. They've sowed the seed, you're in their harvest. It's a cycle. It's a cycle, it's a cycle. When it comes to tithes and offerings, too many Christians act, acting like they lost their wallet. It's enough now. Oh, how dare she? 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to say even worse than that in the days ahead, so <laughs> you might as well just. And, and, and if you think it's about some kind of self-indulgent, listen, my provision, my, my abundance comes from the Lord. Jesus Christ is building His church, but this message is about you. Where have you broken the divine cycle? And you're coming under a curse and you just don't understand why. Your homework today, go home with the Holy Ghost and ask Him, where am I in arrears? Where am I making plenty of withdrawals, but no deposits? Where am I underfunding, but overexpecting? Don't break the cycle. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.